For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Friends with Fantasy Benefits Baseball Podcast. I'm your host of the Keenan Friends Podcast, Ben Brass. Joined tonight by Ray Keenan again. How are you doing, Ray? I am good, Ben. What about you? I'm also doing well. You know, it's been uh, it's been about two weeks since we were able to get our show in, and you know, last week uh, last week we were unfortunately able to get a show out due to some technical difficulties. So that was a shame. But we're back, and we're looking to do. Um, some buy, hold, sell for some hitters today. So I'm a little bit excited. What about you, Ray? You excited for that? I'm excited, man. We're back and better than ever. You know, Ray, you always give our, our listeners confidence that we're going to bring a great podcast. And then, you know, we have to bring in someone from Texas and it all goes down to crapper. So, <laughs> wow, that that's where you're saying it goes down to crapper. Not the guy that comes from the land of left turns in the swamps of Jersey. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who that is, but uh, Evan Peterson's not here, so I, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, what's up, Colin? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing better than a Mets fan, I'll tell you that. Yeah, the Mets fan sucks. So does Rangers <laughs> fans. So you know, yeah, we're all at least I know I don't have good players. Like y'all have good players, and they just end up on the DL. Well, other than um, other than having. Syndergaard and Degrom. What other good players do we really have compared to Texas's roster? I mean, at least you guys have, who can actually hit a home run in Joey Gallo. Yeah, I mean, you have Cespedes. He sucks. You guys. <laughs> I mean, I was I regretted that second signing of him so much from the second that I heard that they wanted to do it. I the second I heard they wanted the first year opt out, I was like, that's great. We get him for one year. We can move him. We don't have to. Hold, we don't have to do anything else. The thing that dude's so injury prone. Then they go and sign him for like a three or four year deal. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> but guys, tonight we're like we said we're going to do a, a buy hold sell for um, some hitters. So uh, before we get started, Ray, why don't you tell our listeners where you can be reached on Twitter? Ray underscore Kuhn underscore twenty eight on Twitter. And what about you, Colin? I'm at SeaWeatherX13. 
I can be reached at BrandonSFWFP. So, guys, why don't we get started? And the first player that we're going to be talking about is Marcel Ozuna. So, Ray, is this someone that you're buying, holding, or selling? I am buying on Ozuna. I mean, I'm buying on Ozuna for the fact that I think he's undervalued right now. He's going to pick it up a little bit. But if you're buying Ozuna, or if you have it in your mind to buy Ozuna based on what he did in 2017, which was hit 312, driving over 120 runs and hit 37 homers, you're going to be pretty disappointed. But that's part of the reason why I have Ozuna down as a buy for me. I'm hoping people look at what Ozuna did last year, expected to repeat this year. You're obviously not getting it, so then maybe they'll be disappointed and sell it to me at a good price. Although, coming into Tuesday night, he was hitting 395 in June with four homers and 11 RBIs, so I think the window is kind of shutting. The 282 he's hitting so far this year, I'd consider it to be reasonable, and despite the struggles, if you will, his strikeout percentage actually went down 21.2% last year to 17.8% this year, and his hard contact is up from 39.1% to 46.8%. Yes, the ISO is way down, 237 to 124, but I mean, me personally, I never really considered as much more than like a 25 home run guy anyway, so if he gives me that, hits 282, gets more comfortable in St. Louis's lineup and drives in a bunch of runs, I'm perfectly fine with that production. What about you guys? Yeah, for me, Ray, um, you know, the, the hard part about Ozuna is coming off of last year. I mean, we, we all knew that last year was probably going to be the aberration, if you will, um, based on his whole career, based on his stat lines. There's no way that he could, you know, come close to a 312 average with 37 bombs and 124 RBIs. So if people drafted him expecting that, then it's going to be hard to buy him at a reasonable rate. However, if they're realistic owners and know that he is more like his 2016 self with a little bit of improvement, um, then you can definitely get him at a discount. And he's a guy that, like you said, this month, I mean, he's hitting 395 this month and he seems to have figured it out. He might have found himself comfortable in St. Louis now after a month and a half. So moving forward throughout the season, he's a guy that if you were able to hold on to him from where you drafted him or if you were able to trade for him, um, he's going to provide, you know, hopefully his best numbers moving forward. Yeah, for me, Ozuna is someone that I would I would want to buy. Obviously, it depends on the cost, but he's someone that did so well last year and has so much potential when he's actually uh, been able to stay on the field without any injuries that would hinder him. He's he's finally seeming to settle in, and he's someone that's going to now, especially with Yadier Molina back and Jose Martinez playing the way he is. He's going to be able to get RBI opportunities. The ball is going to start going out of the uh, out of the park as it as the weather warms up. My guess would be, and I think that he's just someone who has the ability to finish as a top ten outfielder from here on out for the rest of the season. And he's certainly not getting priced that way, but he definitely has the potential to be that type of player. So I think that anything that you're able to give up. Uh, that's under a top 30 overall or top 30 outfield price for him is going to be beneficial because between him and everyone else in that lineup, they're uh, they're going to start hitting and those balls are going to start going out the uh, park. 
Well, we move over to the next player that we're going to talk about, and we're going to be looking at Eugenio Suarez. So, Ray, or so Colin, what are your thoughts on Suarez? He's probably one of the most underrated third basemen in the game. Um, he he's top three, top three in RBIs this year, and he missed over a month with uh, with a wrist injury. So he actually happens to be probably the best uh, Reds hitter right now. He has 12 home runs this year with 48 RBIs. He has a has a great walk rate at 11.6 percent. Barely strikes out at 18 percent. And he provides you with the 300 batting average. So coming into the year, I think one of the biggest concerns about Suarez was his playing time um, because of Nick Senzel. Everyone was on the Senzel hype train, drafting him high, hoping that he would come get called up. And then probably about a month into the season, the Reds signed Suarez to a six-year extension. Senzel still happens to be playing in the minor leagues. And Suarez just keeps hitting. I mean, every night in and night out, he seems to provide for this team. He, uh, you know, he had 29 RBIs in the month of May alone with a 296 average. And before going on the DL in uh, April, he was hitting 327 with 14 RBIs in in March and April combined. So this is a guy that you know might have overtaken Joey Votto as the best hitter on the Reds roster right now. Yeah, he's someone who I'm I'm very much a big fan of. I have him in a, a bunch of my leagues that I am in. It would be nice to see him be able to chip in at least one stolen base this month so that he can somewhat be on par with where he's been for the last couple of years. I don't believe that he's really ever going to get back to those 11 seals that he had back in 2016. But at the same point in time, you're going to likely have more power than he had in 2016, if uh, not more than what he had last year. He's very much likely to have more RBIs than where he was last year. And he's probably going to be around 85 runs because uh, they do not have many other good hitters in that team. I do think that he has um, helped contribute to the reason that Senzel is not up. I think, obviously, the vertical has not helped Senzel's case, but Scooter Jeanette has also helped. But with Suarez, you know, the walk rate, like Colin was saying, that at 11.6, that's great. His strikeout rate being lower and his ISO going up is all fantastic. He's someone that uh, he's available in your league for anything that's, you know, under a top eight third baseman price tag, I would say you should go get that because he's uh, he's roughly top six right now. There's some leagues that he's going to be top five, and I don't think that you can really argue with a, a player of his caliber. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. When Colin started talking about Suarez, I almost started applauding because one of my leagues, I got him for t- I got him for 10 bucks in a 12-team auction, and it was one of those situations where I was going through the draft. He was like the last third baseman left on my list. Got him for 10 bucks. I was happy about it, but I wasn't exactly over the moon. And then all of a sudden, just watching him so far through the first two-plus months of the season, and all the guy does is hit and put up numbers. And then if you take a step back, I mean, obviously the batting average at 301 is a lot better than the 248 he hit in 2016, the 260 he hit last year. But... He has a 316 Babbitt, and his career Babbitt was 315. So I'm okay. So I think the batting average is going to stay. And if you look back, 
he had pretty good seasons 2016 and 2017 also. So it's not like he's he, you know he's a complete flash in the pan here. This is a third year solid production. Obviously this year is better. He has 48 RBIs already and he drove in 70 and 82 the other two seasons. But like you guys touched on the strikeouts are down about 5% this year. So I think we're seeing a big change from Suarez there and I'm definitely buying all right, guys, why don't we move into the next player, and let's talk a little bit about Brian Dozier. So Brian let's Dozier, do it. Brian Dozier is someone that obviously has shown that he has been a second-half type player, um, more than a first-half type player over the last couple seasons. He's still someone who possesses good speed on the bases that can get you double-digit stolen bases. He's still the type of second baseman that could – go for at least 30 home runs every single season. Obviously, we haven't seen that type of power or speed so much this entire year, but he has been coming around a little bit. I, I think that he is someone who will warm up as as the summer warms up, as he has each of the past couple of years. There's nothing to make me think that he's just going to – not be able to make contact, not hit for much power, not steal. There hasn't been anything that had changed from last year to this year that makes me think that he's just going to completely fall apart. So for that, I think that he would be a hold for me. Yeah, he's definitely a hold for me as well. And like you like you touched on half splits, I mean, even last year, I remember at the beginning of the year, um, you know, in March and April, and bleeding into May also where there were a couple of the experts that I listened to on podcasts that were saying, look, is it time to drop Brian Dozier? Is he just done? Is, is you know, is what we saw in 2016 something that we're not going to see in 2017? So, you know, coming into the first couple months in 2017, he had two home runs and eight RBIs after April. And then going into May, he had six home runs in, in the month of May. And then, you know, he was still hitting about 250. And then, boom, in August and September, nine home runs, eight home runs uh, with a 320 average and a 308 average. I mean, this guy has shown, you know, especially last year, I think last year is probably, you know, the biggest split difference that he's had in his career, but just how much better he is in the second half. And for that reason, he's someone that you definitely need to hold on to. I know it's been tough so far. Um, he's, he's got nine home runs, 26 RBIs with a 239 average. Um, but the peripherals look, you know, just about the same. He's got a 9.4% um, walk rate, which is a little bit less than last year. Uh, but he's also striking out less. So if you can hold on to him, don't sell low. Um, I'm a guy that took him in the third round of one of my main leagues. And, you know, I, I've been patient with him. I've been frustrated, but I've also been patient, keeping him in my lineup and waiting for those big weeks. And he's a guy that's shown in, you know, in and out the past two past two years, over 40 home runs, over 30 home runs, and you just don't get that from a middle, middle infielder this, that much. I don't like being boring, but I'm going to have to agree with you guys. <laughs> I, 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 I'm holding on those for two. I mean, not, you know, not to steal your thunder, pretty much like you were saying, all the peripherals are there for the most part. I mean, the one thing that maybe jumps out to me a little bit is that his home run to fly ball rate so far is 10.5%. Last year it was 16.8%. year before that, 18.4%. So, 
if that gets back to where it was the last few years, his hard contact is up like four and a half percent this year compared to last. I I think Doge is going to eventually come around, but there's also nothing there that's hitting me over the head and saying, hey, maybe he's not. So with that being said, I think you have to hold him. All right, guys, why don't we move into the next player, and this is one of the uh, players that's probably least owned on our entire list, and that's Brian Anderson. So obviously Brian Anderson's not someone that may necessarily be owned in a ton of leagues that are standard size, but the thing with Brian Anderson is he has been performing relatively well. He's someone that I would look to buy, depending on the size of your league, Um and I think that the reason is is because while there has been injuries and there, you know, that Marlins lineup's not great, he is in the heart of it. So at least he's in a good run-producing position. He's someone who has been swinging hot bat lately. He is hitting three ten on the season. He does have thirty six runs to thirty two RBIs. Yes, there's only four home runs, one of which came yesterday, and only two stolen bases. So there's not a lot in those two categories, but he should be able to at least get RBI's runs and hit for a good average. And in an OBP league, he does have uh, 24 walks, so he is getting on. He is on base at a 384 clip entering into today's game. So that is something that you're going to obviously want to consider buying on, depending on the size of your league. All right. So now here's a little excitement. I was going to say I'm going to hold on Anderson. But if I'm playing in a league with Ben and I have Anderson, based on that, I'm selling Anderson because, I mean, the guy has a 384 bat bit. So the only place to really for his 310 average to go is down. No, it's going to go up. It's actually going to go higher. <laughs> he's going to have a bat bit of 600 for the year when it's all said and done. All, all right. All right. So then just, I mean, just, just, just back, back, back up the truck and you can just, you know. Josh Donaldson for Brian Anderson right now. <laughs> but that being said, <laughs> the guy has four home runs so far this year in 66 games. You need more than four home runs from your quarter infielder. I mean, yeah, you're getting a 310 average, but the average is likely going to slip. And, yeah, he has he does have 32 runs. He bats in the middle of Miami's lineup. Miami's lineup, obviously, as we know, isn't that great. So I'm not going to necessarily say I want to rely on the Marlins to give me RBIs for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm with you, Ray. I'm probably going to sell him. Um, he's more like a waiver wire add and drop for me. Um, it's actually pretty funny because he was their third baseman. Now he's playing outfield for them. And the reason he moved to outfield is because Martin Prado got healthy and he's playing third base now. And looking at his stat line, he looks like Martin Prado. He has a good <laughs> average. He has absolutely no power, and he he doesn't provide anywhere else for you. I mean, in the beginning of the year, I was a little bit excited about him because he did have two home runs in the first month, and you know I was like, okay, well, this guy's going to get playing time, blah, 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 blah. And then come May, he played 28 games, had zero home runs, and had eight RBIs. Like, what are you doing for me? You're not doing anything for me, Martin Prado clone. I mean, there's, there's nothing... Yes, he has a 310 average now, but there's it's a dry, it's an empty 310 average. Like it's Martin Prado. That's all it is. And that's not a guy that I'm looking to um seeking out to go and add in any of my leagues. 
Exactly. Even if he keeps the average up, yeah, you're not getting anything. I mean, like I said, depending on the size of your league, you could look to buy him because if you're in, you know, something that's like 14 teams or bigger, you know, someone like that may be able to help your average. He still at least gives you some counting stats. Yeah, he's not going to give you a lot of pop or, or uh, stolen bases, but he's someone who at least can be productive in two or three of the five hitting categories, which is something that can be useful as a potential corner infielder or uh, even a utility player in those size of leagues. Obviously, in a standard league, he's someone who is more likely going to be left on the wire, but he 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 always seemed like someone who was like Matt Duffy to me. I, I do think that he's capable of hitting 15 home runs on a year. Um, we'll see if that actually happens. But I do think that when it's all said and done, he could be a 15 home run guy with with 85 runs, 85 RBIs, with a, a 300 average, which isn't terrible from a corner infielder. I'm with Ray. I'm going to trade Brian Anderson for Josh Donaldson to you. <laughs> I don't have either of them in any of my leagues, though, so I don't. I don't know what, what you guys are talking about. In the um, hypothetical league, Ben, come on now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, in that league, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, why don't we move into the next player? Let's talk a little bit about Ian Kinsler. Um, obviously, he has had a really rough start to the season. He he got, has been moved around in the lineup. He he was hitting around uh, 200 for a good portion. He, he seems to be coming out of his slump a little bit. He has shown some power. Um He's now back hitting at the top of the Angels lineup, obviously, with Upton, Pujols, and Trout there. They are going to be having some run-producing players. Um, Simmons is still there. Uh, Zach Cozart, if he ever wants to actually hit the ball, he can do it. But there are some players on that uh, on that lineup who, who will be able to drive him in, and I think that he's able to finish the year around 260 with um in terms of batting average, which may not be great, but it's a significant improvement from where he is now, which means he's probably hitting around 280 to 300 for the rest of the season. So, Yeah, for, for me, Ben, you know, I'm a Rangers fan. I saw the good Ian Kinsler, and ever since we could let him go, you know, he's he's been pretty bad. And especially, <clears throat> especially this year with the Angels, I mean, he's been injured. He's played 53 games so far. I think he's played more than half of the games that he's going to end up with uh, at the end of the year. And also, you know, he's hitting 224 with a 212 BABIP, so there is room for improvement. But as soon as he starts to turn the corner, his hammy's going to go out. Something's going to hurt him. Um, you know, he's a guy that he's 35 years old. He's not getting any younger. Um, I'm, I'm probably selling him if I can get anything for him in any of my leagues. And. You know, I'll I'll probably drop him if I have to because I don't see his staying power at the top of the lineup being there, and then I also don't see him being healthy long enough to contribute for my team. Initially, I was going to say buy on Kinsler, but then I actually changed that to a hold. Going into the season, I had hopes on Kinsler. I thought going to the Angels, that lineup, going to hit the top of the lineup. There's going to there's going to be some runs. There's going to be some RBIs. He's going to get pitches to hit. Batting average will be there. Obviously, hasn't worked out. He's hitting 223. Does have a 211 Babbitt. He's only striking out 8.6% of the time, so I definitely like that. And I like the 18 walks and 20 strikeouts. 
But everything else, 17 RBIs, yeah, man, that's obviously not doing it for me right now. And you should have more than 26 runs scored in that lineup with 232 plate appearances. But I do think that he's going that as long as he stays healthy, and it's a big if we're talking about, if he does stay healthy, I think he can kind of right the ship a little bit, give you some value. So far in June, he's hitting 250. But the reason why I changed it to a hold is if I still have Kinsler, that means that there's not anything better on the waiver wire or I don't have depth or whatever the story is. So he's likely my best option. I know I'm not going to get value for him. There's no point to sell because I don't think I'm getting much more than a bucket of balls for him. And I'm not going to buy on Kinsler because what if he does get hurt again or if he really doesn't turn it around? Likely the person that I already have at second base or in the middle infield is performing better than Kinsler is at the moment. Well, Ray, I just happen to have a bucket of balls right next to me. So um, just <laughs> send them on, your, send just them on get, over. Give me your mailing address and, and you'll get them in three to five business days. Definitely. Awesome. But but now you're sure you're not going to try to trade that bucket of balls for like bar gold, which is what you would you know generally try to do in our fantasy leagues? I mean... I always try to turn mush into better mush, yeah. and I am capable of doing it. So, yes, I will <laughs> try to do that. If there's going to be someone who's going to do it, it's going to be me. And you know it's going to be me, which is why people probably stop trading with me after, like, four 15, trades. 15, 15 trade offers and 100 Facebook messages later. Yeah, but usually usually people start getting annoyed when they see that I go and trade someone for better than what I gave them. And then they're like, well, why didn't I just do that? And then they don't want to trade with me. <laughs> they don't want me to get better. Well, <laughs> you, do, you, do, you do work hard. You're the hardest working man on the fantasy trade market. I'll give you yeah. that. He beats people into a pulp until they, they finally give in. You guys are just so so kind with your words. It just makes me tingle all over. <laughs> we try. We try. All right, guys, why don't we move into um, someone who's been a personal disappointment for me this year, uh, thanks to Colin. Uh, that is uh, Jay Bruce. Mr. Uh, Mr. Weatherwax uh, said, oh, he's going to be, uh, what was it, Colin, the top 10 outfielder, did you say? Top 15. Top 15, top 15. sorry. <laughs> let me get that correct. Top 15 outfielder coming into this year. And, man, that could not be more wrong. I'm trying to decide what's more wrong, that or Ray saying that Edwin Diaz was going to be the first closer who loses his job, and it was probably going to be in the first two weeks. I don't know what's more wrong. I mean, uh, I wasn't that out of out of the box on Bruce, but I mean, I was also beating the drum for Jay Bruce a little bit too. And with that being said, I'm going to hold on to Bruce because I do think he's going to turn it around, and I also think that everyone else is down on him, so I don't think I'm getting much on the trade market for him. I mean... Guy has three home runs, fifteen now seventeen RBIs. Excuse me, because he had a ground. He came through with an opposite field ground ground rule double on Tuesday night against Atlanta as the Mets blew the game once again. Tell me something we don't know. Bruce has been streaky. He's been streaky in the past, but he does have a track record of power. This year, though, obviously power has not been there. His ISO is only one hundred nine. And two years prior, it was 256 and 254. He's hitting 219. He's generally like a 250 hitter. So, all right, yeah, maybe plantier fasciitis has been bothering him some. I think the other thing is the shift. 
teams have been shifting against Bruce. Bruce hasn't exactly adapted. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Adapted. This definitely cost him a few hits there. So I'm not necessarily worried about the batting average. It's really just the three home runs that are just smashing me in the face and are hanging over him like, like an anvil. I think he'll get there. I think all he really needs is one stretch where he gets, you know, three homers in five games, something like that to kind of get rolling. When Cespedes eventually graces us with his presence again and finds his way back into the lineup, maybe that'll help for Bruce. Maybe if Conforto ever gets going, if he has, you know, there's just something else in the middle of the Mets lineup for Bruce to feed off of. But I mean, for now, for now I'm holding him. I'm keeping him on my bench, but I do think he will turn it around. Ray, you left out the name of your best outfielder, Brandon Nemo. That That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, like Ben said, I was touting Jay Bruce as a top 15 outfielder coming into this year because believe it or not in 2016 and 2017, he was just that he was a top 15 outfielder with a 250 average, but over 30 home runs each year and um, averaging 100 RBIs both years as well. So, you know, coming into the year, I was definitely touting him. And what do you know? I was wrong. But if if he's still on my roster right now, um, I mean, in most of my leagues, he's not. I've, I've cut bait. What I what I would do is I would I would probably drop him for a guy like Jake Bowers, for a guy like Juan Soto a couple weeks ago. Just that next up and coming, you know, prospect or or guy that's supposed to, you know, come out of nowhere and and just perform like like some of the guys do every year. And um, you know, Jay Bruce, he he does have a chance, like you said, Ray, to turn it around. But for me, it's kind of cut my losses and see if I can get his production somewhere else and maybe even a little bit more. Um, like a guy from Jake, like Jake Bowers, who has power, who has speed who has the opportunity now in Tampa Bay. And then also like a guy for like a guy of uh, Juan Soto who has all the talent in the world just needs to get on the field. So if I can drop Jay Bruce for a guy like that, I think I'm going to do that in a heartbeat and just take my L on Jay Bruce this year. Yeah, for me, it's tough because I I did like Jay Bruce as a Mets fan. And I I know that he's a streaky hitter who could at any time go and hit 300 for two weeks and have six uh, six home runs in a, in a month and have maybe 12 to 15 RBIs in that same month. And he could do that for two straight months, put stuff, uh, put some good stats together. But right now he just seems so out, 
out of sorts, and I'm not really sure why. I don't really think you're really going to be able to really get anything for him, and I'm not the type of player who is in small enough leagues where I'm likely going to be able to pick up someone significantly better on the waiver wire. I think I'm only in one team that's that has less than uh, less than 14 teams. So in all those types of leagues, and they have decent-sized benches, he's going to be someone who I'm probably just having sit on the bench until there is some showing of a hot streak. And then, um, then I would look to try to move him if I could, but I can't move him at this time. So, what? Why don't we move over um, and talk a little bit about Brandon Crawford? So, Brandon Crawford, someone who a couple of years ago w- was a pretty good offensive shortstop, then the last couple of years has been kind of disappointing, and this year he's he's just knocking the ball. All over the place. He's hitting for some power. He's getting some. He's chipped in a couple of stolen bases. Um, not much in terms of run and RBI production, but still significant for how bad the Giants' offense has been overall, and how light hitting they have been, and where he where he is personally hitting in the lineup. But he is performing um, with the bat right now. He's hitting for a good average. He's getting on base. So he's someone who. Um, I don't believe we'll be able to maintain it, so I'd like to sell him. But at this point, I'm not sure if anyone's really still buying into this type of production. So I'm not sure if you're really going to be able to maximize his value. You may be able to get um, more value than what you would have started the season with, but I don't think you're going to get exact value if um, it's not attached to him at this current time. Yeah, I'm probably just going to hold on. Crawford, because like you said, Ben, if you sell if you sell Crawford, you're probably not getting much. I mean, I grabbed him off the waiver wire in a league or two. He's hitting three twenty nine. Go, you know, he has a career average of two fifty seven. Obviously, the bad bit three eighty seven is helping him out. He does drive in runs. He has, I mean, he has he has eight homers this year. So he's shown. I mean, two thousand fifteen, Last year, he had fourteen homers. So he's shown some pop. He's shown that. 84, 84, 77 were his last three total seasons of RBI totals. So he's also shown he can be a moderately decent run producer towards the you know the bottom middle you know that sixth spot of San Francisco's order. So I'm so there's some there's some value there. I'm I'm gonna hang on to Crawford. I get what I get, and that's and that's really it. You know if he's plugging a hole, I'm gonna let him plug that hole in my team. Because um, I don't think I'm getting much value for him otherwise, and I'm, he's not somebody that I'm going to look to buy because he's just really one step above waiver wire level once that batting average regresses, if it does. Okay, so for me on Brandon Crawford, he's a guy that I'm looking to probably sell. I have I've fallen for it before. Um, coming off his 21 home run season in 2015, I thought that the true breakout was coming and the power was legit. And everything was going to just turn up for for Brandon Crawford, and he provided me with 12 home runs the next year. So he's a guy that's really close to replacement level or just one tier above what you can find on the waiver wire. And I also think that what he's given you so far this year is most of his production for the rest of the year. And him hitting 333 definitely will not continue. Um, he's already has eight home runs, which is more than half of what he's had the past two the past two seasons. So he's a guy that I'm looking to sell if someone completely buys that this is the year for Brandon Crawford. And if you can get any type of middle infield option 
or a shortstop option that you think can either bounce back or, um, you know, is has a similar stat line, I'd definitely pull the trigger. All right, guys, why don't we move into the next player? And this is someone who I thought was going to have a pretty bad season to, uh, to start off with, and he's actually uh, surprised me so far. Uh, and that's Matt Kemp. Ray, what are your thoughts on Kemp? I am selling Kemp. I don't think Kemp is going to stay healthy this year. That's the first thing. Second thing on Kemp, I'm not buying his 401 Babbitt. And obviously, in turn, his 338 batting average. He only walks 5% of the time and strikes at 23.2% of the time. So that's another factor in my dislike or my readiness to sell Kemp. I will give him credit that his ISO did jump from 187 last year to 225. And we're also seeing a change in approach for him as his ground ball rate went from 48.5 last year to 35.7 this year with most of that rise going to his fly ball rate, bringing that up to 38.2%. So, yeah, those things look good. Obviously, the walks to strikeouts, it is what it is. But I just think that Kemp is inevitably going to get hurt or cooled down. And even if he does remain a productive fantasy player for the rest of the season. I think this is the absolute peak of his value. So why not maximize your asset in camp and maybe look to buy low on a Dozier or something like that to fill a different need? Oh, please put me in a league where I can sell Matt Kemp for Brian Dozier, Ray. I I mean, obviously, I wouldn't expect it to be (laughs) one for one. Or at least I would hope to not expect it to be one for one. But I mean, just as an example, like I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, I'm going to sell Kemp for Kinsler. It would have to be somebody better. But if you get someone that says, oh, wow, he's hitting 338, 10 homers and 48 RBI and 41 RBIs. This is the Matt Kemp of a few years ago. I mean, all, all it takes is one. Yeah. So, I mean, so, with that, so with that being said, I'm going to look into selling him. Yeah, and I agree. I'm probably going to sell as well. Unfortunately, I was all aboard the Matt Kemp bandwagon last year coming into draft season, thinking that, you know, he might provide me something like he's providing this year uh, with a high average, you know, double digit home run, something like that. And of course, the injury bug caught him. So I'm with you, Ray. I think the injury bug is going to catch up to him. I mean, he's not getting any younger. He's he's 33 years old. We've seen the best and the worst of Matt Kemp, but I think the the worst is yet to come. Um, his 401 BABIP is definitely not sustainable, so his average is going to probably to the 270, 280 range, which is where he was last year. And even if he provides you know, the 19 home runs and 64 RBIs that he did last year, he already has 10 home runs and 41 RBIs this year. So if you sell him now, you're getting rid of all of the um, you know, all of the, the pain and suffering that's ahead of a Matt Kemp owner. And if you can sell them for, you know, the next upcoming prospect or, or a, a under the radar guy that you think can, you know, improve throughout the, throughout the year, then he's definitely a sell high candidate. So you mean Matt Kemp's not going to be a 39 Homer 40 steel guy anymore? Is, is that Matt Kemp done? Wait, Sorry is it 2011? Is it 2011? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, then let me trade for Ryan Braun then. Wait, you saying I can go back to 2011? Wow. <laughs> what would I do different? Probably not a lot. The possibilities. <laughs> um, possibilities could be endless. 
I mean, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Obviously, this is where I expect his peak value to be. So he's someone who I would very much look to move at this time, given that he has had over the... I mean, last year he had injuries, but then the last couple of years before that, he he had been uh, pretty good about being able to at least play 150 games. And then, obviously, the years before that, he had some injury issues. But he's someone who... Obviously, I think that while he's getting up there in age, that he'll be uh, 34 within the next year or within the next few months even. That I think that he'll look to move and max out the value at this current time. Um, obviously, with the 401 BABIP, just like everyone else in this group was saying, that that's going to regress significantly and it's going to bring down that 338 average. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up hitting roughly 240 to 250 for the rest of the year to bring his average down to 270, 280, somewhere in there. So, you know, obviously there's going to be regression with that. And his strikeout rate is roughly the same, but that walk rate at only 5% doesn't uh, doesn't bode well for me expecting a lot of production as the season goes on if, if pitchers start to figure out how to get him out. So... He's someone who I would look to sell and maximize the value at this current time. While we look into Jesus Aguilar, now that Eric Thames is back, how do we think that this Brewer situation is going to be able to be handled between the outfield and first base? What are your thoughts, Ray? I think, honestly, I mean, there was a concern going into the season with Yelich, Kane, Braun, Santana, all the cooks in the kitchen, that playing time was going to be an issue. Obviously, Domingo Santana has not really performed well. Braun already went on the DL. Dames went on the DL. So, I mean, you know those things have a way of working themselves out. Aguilar is obviously taking advantage of that in Dames' absence. The thing that concerns me about him is he strikes out 26.9% of the time this year. It was 30.2% last year. So to me, that says he's can for a slump. If he falls into a slump, then Milwaukee has other options to replace him with. So his playing time could be a little bit in flux here. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell on him. He has some power. He's hitting 285, so the batting average is good. I think right now he's an attractive asset, and I think it's not gonna take much for him to lose the playing time. Obviously. If he keeps the playing time, then yeah, maybe there is some 20 to 25 home run upside. But we've also never seen him do it at the major league level. Yeah, he is 27 years old, so there's certainly still time, and I wouldn't rule it out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna sell and see what I can get. What are your thoughts, Colin? For me, I'm probably gonna hold on Jesus Aguilar. Uh, reason being is because we've seen. Eric Thames have his, you know, his moments, have his hot streaks. And like Ray said, I mean, this these situations have a way of working themselves out. So just because Thames is off the DL now doesn't mean that he can't go back on it. Uh, Ryan Braun can find himself back on it. Domingo Santana is basically a non-factor. And I think that the Brewers, they're, they're definitely looking for to contend for, the, uh, for their division and also for the wild card if it comes to that. And they're going to keep playing the hot hand. And, and for now, um, while Thames has been out, he's been performing lights out. He has 11 home runs already this year. Um, he's always been a big home run guy. So 
he just kind of needed the opportunity. I mean, he hit 30 in AAA in 2016, so he has the pop, and that's that's one of the things that the Brewers lineup is missing outside of Travis Shaw. I mean, if they can have Jesus Aguilar, you know, play as much as he has lately and still provide the power with, with a decent average, um, I, I think that he's better than Eric Thames right now, and he probably deserves the playing time based on you know what he was able to do while he was out. For me, I have Jesus Aguilar in a couple of leagues, and I was kind of regretting Thames coming back, even though I do own Thames in other leagues, because he has been playing so well, and you don't want to have to see someone like Craig Council trying to decide who he's going to bench because I feel like he has screwed up Domingo Santana with that. Obviously, the Brewers going out and signing um, Kane and bringing in Yelich in trade obviously did not help that. But if it was me, I would personally love to be able to get rid of Braun. Um, I would be. I would love to be able to. Um, use Thames almost every day and Aguilar every single day and just rotate um, one of those outfielders out daily so that they can get some rest and that way they can both get playing time. But Aguilar is someone who I think you have to try to sell because as players are healthy and as the summer is heating up, you know, someone like Thames could still go on a hot streak um, because we've seen him hit for power before. Someone like Domingo Santana could warm up as the summer actually approaches. So if either of those two things happen, that could easily eat into Aguilar's playing time. So it makes it a little tough. It gives him such a little small window of um, of mistake that if he screws up, I could easily see him getting benched for a day or two. And that makes it tough when you're either in a head-to-head league or in a season long that you need to be able to rely on someone to be out there every single day. You may not be able to rely on that. So I think he's someone you have to sell. Why don't we move into the last player that we're going to be talking about, and that is Scooter Jeanette. He's the real reason that I think that Nick Senzel has not come up this year. I think they want to see what they had from Jeanette, and he's obviously performed significantly higher than what expectations were. He's shown good pop. He's been a good RBI producer, and he has helped carry that club along with Suarez while Joey Votto has not been able to perform and other players on that team have not um, done well. That center fielder that we will not mention is still horrible, so, you know, He's got to, He's he's eventually going to get kicked off that team because he just sucks. But that's besides the point. Scourge and that's someone who I would actually look to hold because I don't think you're going to be able to buy him. I think everyone's going to overvalue his price. And I think if you own him, it's going to be tough for you to sell him because no one's going to want to buy on the price tag of what he's actually producing at. It is similar to what you had earlier with Brandon Crawford, it makes it tough because he's outperforming his value so much that people expect a regression and they won't pay for what he has done because they don't expect it to continue. So it makes it a little tough for you to be able to trade him. To me, Jeanette, I mean, I didn't necessarily realize this until he really got going this year. He had 27 homers and, Drove in 97 runs last year, so it's not like this is completely out of left field. The same thing 
was kind of mentioning with Suarez, he has a little bit of a track record that maybe has gone under the radar. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to hit 340 all season, but I'm a little bit of a believer in the home runs and the RBIs. I mean, why can't he repeat 27 and 97? I'm not sure if I'm going to get another owner that's going to believe that. So that being the case, I'm probably just going to hang on to Jeanette. And I think his price might be too expensive from an owner that's already reaped the benefits of Jeanette so far this season. So to me, it's a halt. What about you, Colin? So for me on Jeanette, I know, like you said, uh, Ray, that he had 27 and 97 last year. And, you know, with the Senzel talk in the offseason, he was kind of undervalued. But I think what... What he's given you so far, I mean, he has a 340 average. He's got 12 home runs and 47 RBIs. I think he's a guy that you could probably pair with a Matt Kemp, who we talked about earlier, and try and get a guy like Brian Dozier. So that way you can get that second-half streakiness. And I, I don't think that um, an owner is going to shy away from a Scooter Jeanette as much as they will as like a Matt Kemp because, like Ray said, he did show it last year. He had 27 and 97. So – there is a chance that there's an owner out there that truly believes in the Scooter Jeanette hype and is is definitely on board. But looking at the numbers, I mean, he had a bigger home run to fly ball ratio last year than he does this year, and he's off to this towards start. So he's a guy that I'm definitely looking to sell off of my team. I think I've gotten the best that I can out of someone that probably was barely drafted in most leagues. Um, and I'll try and sell them for a guy that I know is proven and could probably give me some more stats throughout the rest of the year, the remainder of the year. All right, guys. Does anyone else have anything to mention on any of these uh, 10 players that we discussed today? I don't have anything on other on any of those 10, but I do have something else to mention that I thought I found interesting. I mean, I know that everybody loves hearing about everyone else's fantasy teams. <laughs> but I just want to get you guys' opinion on the situation. One of my leagues. It's a 12-team redraft standard Roto League. I'm in second place. Reese Hoskins was dropped. $100 starting fab. I had $75 fab dollars left. What would you guys bid on Hoskins? 76 <laughs> I'll do 74, so that way you have to do 75, right? I old, It already happened. I just checked during the show. Waivers ran. I bid 16 bucks. The next highest was 6 What? Exactly. It was, I was so flabbergasted by it that I had to mention it. Wow, that's insane. Well, there is another piece of breaking news coming out right now that Miguel Cabrera is out for the season. Yeah, that as I pre-wrote an article for tomorrow mentioning Cabrera, mm. I'm I'm quite quite thrilled about that. So instead, we're just going to turn the blurb about Cabrera and how his exit velocity was fifth highest in the league into a cautionary tale that just because you have one good <laughs> metrics don't you know don't overlook all the bad, and if an aging player is showing some signs. Don't expect that the Asian player is going to stay healthy. So, uh, does that mean I should probably drop Miggy in a redraft league, guys? I don't, I don't know. Uh, is that is, is the season-ending injury bad? No, you can just keep him on your DL. That's fine. Okay, I'm I'll sure look. somebody will trade for him. Ooh, 
That's a good idea, Ray. I could maximize <laughs> trade value with him. <laughs> Definitely. Maybe I'll just go pick up Justin Smoke because we all know. Oh my God, he is Colin's favorite player. Oh, get no, but only only if we get Billy Hamilton as well. No, no, man, I'd rather Justin Smoke is my Billy Hamilton. Jorge Soler than than Justin Smoke probably anyway. So (laughs) hell, I may even pick up Leonis Martin because he's just for some reason absolutely killing everything. Which makes no sense. I'd rather hold. I'd rather hold Miguel Cabrera than pick up Justin Smoke. How about that? <laughs> wow! There you go, everyone. <laughs> Fantasy goodness coming from the Wax Man. All right, guys. While we wrap up, why don't you uh, tell our listeners where you can be reached on Twitter and what you're working on, Ray? I am on Twitter at Ray underscore Kuhn underscore twenty eight. As I tease, I have baseball article coming out each and every Wednesday taking a look at three statistics and three players or three situations under the guise of that statistic. I'm also going to be starting the same series with the football article that's going to be going up every Friday. And we're also shortly beginning our football coverage over on Roto Professor, and we're still rolling with the baseball coverage there as well. And what about you, Colin? I'm definitely not as busy as Ray, but you can find me on Twitter at cweatherwax 13 uh, we do have a really good article or a really good podcast coming out with uh, Mike the Rotocop and Randy Haynes this week. We actually interviewed uh, Keegan Matheson, who is one of the uh, writers for Baseball Toronto, and he actually was one of the first to break the news on the Vlad injury. So we got to sit down and talk with him about Vladimir Guerrero, about Bo Bichette, and also about the future of the Blue Jays. And we also went through uh, the fab for the great fantasy baseball and invitational from this past week. So you can find me on that podcast and also on the push accept podcast with, uh, with Ben and Donnie Miller. And I can be reached at B Brennan's FWFB as Colin has alluded to. You can find me on the push accept podcast. We will be having guests from friends with fantasy benefits. Um, Every we're going to try to be able to get every single person from staff on um, at least for an episode, so that we can get multiple differing views. We uh, appreciate the people who have continued to send us in trades. Um, we're always very much willing to accept more and more trades. Just feel free to send them to us on Twitter or um, email friends with fancy benefits, and we'll be able to read them off on the show. You can find me throughout the basketball off season and. Uh, um, with Eric Mackey, we will be covering the NBA draft. We will look at uh, NBA free agency. And then you can also find me once we get football started on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits football podcast. So from the rest of us at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, have a great baseball season, everyone. Falling in love is never by the book Getting close beneath the flag
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.